Welcome to episode 308 of Coffee Pods and Wads. For years, I wondered if I was tired or not tired. And now, thanks to Whoop, I have an app that tells me I'm not tired when I think I am and tells me I might be dying when I feel fine. I jest. Whoop uses a ton of metrics to measure your recovery and strain to help you improve. You can go to join.whoop.com forward slash CPW for a discounted membership. I think there's a free strap on there as well. Fitter, our back-end operating system for some of the biggest training programs out there, all the way down to people who just love a bit of one-on-one coaching or like to throw up a little handstand workshop every so often. If you want it um, on your platform, they probably have it. Get.fitter.training to have a go at a free trial. GoWad are limbering up, see what I did there, for the game season in Madison, continuing their immense backing of the sport we all love. You can download the app and test your mobility. Go on, see if you can beat Fraser's first ever score of 90, I think it was. Did your last relationship end because you were told you have too much baggage? Well then, go to BillFratleys.com because you'll fit all you need inside one of their bags and you can use CPW15 for savings on there too. There's no news this week because I'm recording this eight days ago and I'm good but I'm no fortune teller. So fake news sponsored by LSKD this week. LSKD.co for any style and fit you might need and you can use CPWLSKD for all uh, your savings there, that's all capitals. Fittest in Antarctica was on this weekend. The Arctic Braves made a long trip down south, but could only finish in second place in the mixed team of four. They had a great day one, but they froze on day two, and I don't know what I'm doing. Today's guest is Pat Fellner. Uh, we talk about basically everything. We chat about age, perception, the PFAA. He's a king, and I hope he has a great year. Enjoy, listen, share, and tag. Yeah, like... I, I, the that sensation you're talking about feeling dry i kind of have that all the time where like i'm like how am i still thirsty when i've drank like i have like it's a pretty big bottle i think you fit like a liter of water in it. i have two of them a day so that's like two liters of water and i'm still like ah oh, i need i need like to just sit in a vat of liquid for i don't know a long time and absorb the liquid somehow um but yeah i don't know maybe yeah. it's just weird I have had that issue my whole life, basically. I feel like for years when I was in gymnastics and you're just like in a gym barefoot with chalk and stuff like that all the time, I like like my feet and hands and everything have just been an absolute train wreck for like as long as I can remember. And I'm yeah. the same now. I like I go to bed and, you know, you've been training all day and your hands are just hot and hurt. and <clears throat> I just lather up. I do my best, but my skin will just suck any moisture in really quick and like be begging for more so uh there's like there's no limit <laughs> i feel like i can never give it enough care but hey do my best um elisa did did pack it you did get a haircut it looks great your hair looks great i did a week ago yeah it's it one really week great. old so thanks for noticing do you do like a do you do like a championship haircut do you are you like okay the week before i go to madison i'm gonna get my <laughs> my games cut like honestly sometimes uh i'm a little tired of hearing about it but i just to be honest i don't i don't care that much like i i probably get a haircut like three times a year maybe really yeah so i just don't i like it's so not on my radar that i just i don't care and like you know i'm working two days a week in clinic and i can like polish it up enough to look professional and like you know Hmm. slick it back or do something but most of my life these days i'm like either on my way to the gym on my way back i'm like between sessions i'm training like i just i cannot be bothered yeah yeah, (laughs) so i'm not trying that hard and then my like my wife has been 
uh, advocating for, it's like, Hey, you know, when you're going to large events, like, you know, you know, people are going to be taking lots of pictures of you, right? Like, would you just like <laughs> put like the smallest amount of effort into it? Um, so I've kind of I've taken that, uh, I've taken that recommendation to heart. So I try to, would you ever you know, do like, is, didn't Fraser used to cut his hair, like shave his head. Cause then he just didn't have to consider it at all. Like didn't never have to consider it. Yeah. But I think I have a, like, I got a lumpy head from falling on my head. In <laughs> That's always a concern. So with I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I have the sit in the nice head shape like Matt did. So, uh, that I'm was a job. Sure. That was a job for lockdown. In in one of the lockdowns, you should have shaved it. No one would have seen you. I'll try it on. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I maybe dropped the ball on that, but um, we'll see. Both my brothers have shaved heads, so I don't know. They got some good domes on them. Maybe one day, but I, I'm not there yet. But basically, all it's done is I now I, I I schedule my two or three haircuts a year around major events. So I'll okay. get one like in the winter, maybe a, a little while before Waterpalooza or something, and then I'll get one in the summer a little bit hmm. before games and try to clean it up a little bit but do you do you have any do you have any kind of uh like pre-game routine as in obviously i don't mean like the day before but i say before you go to madison have you got like oh like the the three days before i always go to such and such a place for lunch or i always go like have you got any of those kind of not superstitions but like things that you like to tick off like personal little things that you like to tick off before you go to a big competition or a big event uh no not at all I actually, I think there's too much, there's too much swirling in my life on a daily basis that I I don't have time or space for those kind of things. So I try to make sure I, I don't, I tie up as many loose ends as I can at home and make sure things are, are going to be fine. And then uh, I just take off and <laughs> do whatever, whatever's around. Like some places where you go regularly, um, you know, like I've competed at Waterpalooza the last kind of four years hmm. and you know, there's places that are around that downtown area that I know, oh, if I'm training leading up to, I can train at this place, I can eat at this place. And they're mm. like, they kind of have what I need. But uh, nothing that's like, I'm, I'm so programmed to do that it'll make me feel off if I don't do it. Mm. And to be honest, I try to avoid stuff like that. Because that's sometimes what can happen is if you miss that, then you can't check that box for whatever reason, and then you just feel weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as much as you can avoid those things, I think it can actually benefit you. Yeah. So, Where the fuck know, are my know. green socks? <laughs> yeah. Just try to try to get a good night's sleep. Try to make sure I, you know, kiss my wife before I go to sleep. And mm. other than that, I'm not too bad. Yeah. Um, if this was Savannah's show, he'd say, I try to kiss your wife before I go to sleep too, but I'm not going to sleep that low. Um, if you, uh, good, luck. good luck. She's <laughs> not handing them out. I got to earn those every day. Do you, um, do you still get nervous? Like, do you still get like, you know, obviously we're a good bit out now, but say like when you were more so maybe when you're on your own in Waterpalooza rather than on the team and when you're heading back to Madison, like, do you still have, it, does it go beyond the, you know, five minutes before you go out on the floor? Like, do you have like jitters maybe the week before or, or are you so in control of all the controllables that it's just kind of, it is what it is? Ah, control is a bit of an illusion, I think, in our sport, but um, definitely, like, I, you know, this year, actually, at semifinals, uh, I had a whole conversation about this with some people close to me, but I, I felt like this year, I was really nervous at semifinals, and I was trying to figure out exactly what it was that was doing it, um, more so than I remember being 
recently. Mm. And the best I could figure, there was kind of two things that I could put my finger on. One is that I'm not remembering properly. And I actually do feel that nervous every time. But, you know, when you get through something and then you look yeah. back on it, it never feels quite as bad as it was in the moment. So yeah. I think there is a little bit of that going on that, yeah, when you're stressed and things go on, uh, you know, you feel it. And then as soon as it's the moment's passed, you, you feel it significantly less and your memory of it is significantly skewed, especially when things go well, all of a sudden, like <laughs> everything gets painted in this, this rose color. And ah, yeah, I was, no, it was great. I was great. No problem. So that's point one. And uh, the second one is that I think given the point in my career that I'm at, um, you know, I have a large body of work behind me and, Part of that adds to pressure on performance that I put on myself because I expect myself to perform at a certain level. And then I think nowadays it's starting to be combined a little bit with the fact that I, I don't know how many more competitions I'm going to have, right? Like how many times am I going to run the circuit still? Like say at the semifinal level, like do I have th two more left, three more, four more? Like, I don't know, but it's not 10 more. Yeah. So there's, there's less opportunities ahead of you uh and i think that as you kind of start to feel that window closing a little bit every remaining opportunity becomes that much more important to you yeah. and it's like oh man like not even just from a performance perspective but i like i gotta look around and enjoy this because you know this isn't gonna be your life forever and you gotta like you, you do need to i need to perform and show up and and meet goal a and and perform to the expectations that i have but yeah, you're just kind of like, you're looking around and you're like, ah, you know, this is a bit, you know, there's some stress behind that. And this year also at semis, I was there by myself. I didn't have, uh, my wife wasn't there. I didn't have any family or anybody with me. So that also, uh, for me personally, I find challenging because um, if I can talk about how I'm feeling and, and label things and identify them and express them and just sort of externalize them, it helps me to get it out of my head and I don't ruminate quite so much. Yeah. But in that the schedule we had at semis, you were like, we had three hour breaks, four hour breaks. And so you kind of go back and sit in your room and I'm like sitting in Stare a, a wall. hotel <laughs> room for three hours, just thinking about the next workout. And like, I already, like, I've thought about it. I've thought about it every different, which way I possibly can. I already know. Um, but I just can't get it out of my head. And it's like, I just need some distraction to keep me away from that. So you know, I think you're, you're always learning about yourself and, and trying to figure out the best ways to manage those things. Um, cause you know, over the course of a 10 year career, like your situation changes, you change, everything changes. So, um, you know, I still, of course I feel that way. And in, in some ways that's a really good thing because if I, if I didn't, if I wasn't nervous at all, I'd be seriously concerned. Uh, it's sort of that level of apathy is not a good thing going into <laughs> any, any anything where you need to perform at a certain level. Yeah. So uh, apathy, I think, would be more concerning than, uh, you know, a little bit of nerves. Um, so, yeah, I think team is a little bit different, you know, like we did at Waterpalooza. There's, you're like nervous to let down your teammates, I guess. But uh, I think it, given what we had working with, uh, to, to work with there, it was, you know, we were, everybody was pretty solid and I wasn't super concerned I, that those guys would let me down or that I would let them down. I think yeah. we all, we all knew that everybody would go to the wall for each other. So, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there's always a bit of that. And I think this for the games this year, my coach asked me the same question recently and I'm, I'm not quite, I'm not really getting nervous yet. We still got, you know, a good four weeks to, to do some things. And I do think that as that window closes again, uh, every 
training session and every rep feels like it has a lot more gravity behind it um, as you close in on the games because you're running out of time to polish things. You're running out of time to get things right. Um, once you're there, you've got everything you got to work with and that's it. That's the deck. That's the hand you've got and you got to play it for the weekend. But every moment up to then you can do something else and you can, you can develop a new skill or you can learn more. Or you can get a little bit better at something. So, um, you know, it's starting to get to that point, you know, three, four weeks where certain types of sessions for sure, for sure. I start to take a little more seriously, um, and focus extra hard on and, uh, and everything starts to feel like it's, it's a little more valuable or it has more weight behind it. Um, people are loving your haircut. Look, there's this barber spin to perhaps get a haircut. It's like, yeah, we've discussed it at length. Um, I, uh, you mentioned there about like that, the, the, you know, as you get, you know, you're in maybe what some might describe as the autumn of your career. Um, <laughs> as you, as you head towards, you know, as winter is like on the distant horizon, but on the horizon, um, you're saying that, you know, the opportunities become less. So then the current opportunities become more important or they feel more important. The last say number of years, is there a year that stands out there that you didn't enjoy? Like, is there any of those years where you were like, God, I fucking hated that year. Like, I mean, maybe not just the games experience. Um, you know, obviously like getting cut in, 2019 or whatever that's probably not that enjoyable but like as in the season like is there ever was there every year where you were like oh, i fucking hated training that year and i hated i considered stopping that year i considered giving up that year not really um i don't know i don't really know how to give up on things <laughs> it's, a, it's it's difficult for me to stomach that thought there's a lot of times in training week to week where i'm like this yeah. sucks and i want to quit that but i never do it it's like it's not a those aren't real thoughts. I don't think in my head, it's just like little things that you're like, ah, yeah, this, this blows. And I think <laughs> reality for me, my, um, my personality is such that I think I need to do that. Sometimes, like I said, I need to identify emotions and externalize things. And sometimes that having a good vent or just being able to look something and be like this, like this really sucks. Like train, like it's not fun all the time. And it's mm -hmm. really not. Um, and there's a lot of athletes who I think try to paint things super positive all the time. And that's a style of, of training, uh, of like, you know, oh, this is super fun. I'm enjoying the process and this and that. And like, for me, it's not that way. And it never has been. It's not, it's not always fun. Uh, and I think if you're enjoying, really enjoying in the moment, every piece of your training, you're, my opinion is you're not really doing it right. Um, I think there is a difference between finishing something that was very difficult that you did not enjoy. And then afterwards looking back on it and being like, Hey, I'm really glad I did that. Mm. Um, that sense of accomplishment uh, is a different type of enjoyment. Like I would call that type two fun where it was extremely <laughs> challenging. It's like going on a big hike. You're like, you could be yeah. miserable the whole way. And then you summit the mountain and you're like, all right, all nice right. It was, it was okay. Right. Yeah. And like I said, the, the, those aches and pains and little things looking back on them is never quite as painful. Right. Once you're ahead of it, it's fine. But I'd be lying if I said like, there wasn't, you know, at least once a week where I look at stuff and I'm like, <laughs> not forget this. Like I, why <laughs> do I do this to myself? So, you know, competing is sort of always been the, that's the sport for me. Right. Like that's, and for everybody, like that's where the fun is. That's where the challenge is. Um, those are the things that you line up for. The rest of it is is just a means to an end. Um, and that's what's challenging in our sport is, you know, we don't compete very often. And the load when you compete is really high. 
and you know because we don't compete very often there's it's really valuable like if you have a bad competition it's not like i'm playing 80 games a year and uh oh i I had a bad day on saturday but it's okay because i can show up in like five days later and if i perform well that day it kind of wipes it away you may have to wait five months before you have another opportunity to show up and, and wipe away a poor performance so um that's another thing that contributes to high levels of stress and anxiety around events is like i i you really need to show up and 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 put out every single time um or you know you may miss out on some other opportunities so yeah i mean there's years that things go a little better than others there's years where you maybe you're dealing with injuries like i've had a couple years where i was dealing with injuries throughout most of the year it makes training very frustrating it makes you feel like you're not moving forward um but I don't think I've ever realist really entertained the idea of being like, ah, you know, you're done. Um, I, and I think that's just part of my personality. I like to be able to show up and, uh, I don't know, and do things that people don't think you can do or that you don't think you can do. And at this point in my career, I'm actually really enjoying just beating up on the young guys. <laughs> like, I think it's just, to me, that's like a quiet motivator for me. Every time I see all this stuff about, hyping up all the young guys and I'm like, all right, we'll see. But <laughs> it's uh, so it's fun for me. I know. And eventually I will be displaced and I'm fully aware of that. But my goal right now in my career is to make that as difficult as possible for the next generation of athletes. And the people who manage to displace me will seriously deserve it, but they are seriously going to have to earn it. <laughs> and that's, that's the goal is like, I'm not, not going to lay over and just cause you say I'm getting old. Like, Come prove it to me. Come take my job because I still want it. That's cool. Um, do you think, would you ever do, um, you know, like say Noah this year has said, oh, this is my last year. Um, do you think, would you do something like that? Or would you just like say like, just not turn up, <laughs> like just not enter a score at the open? Like, would you, I don't know if you're <laughs> the type to be like, okay, guys, this is it, my final run. Or even to be like, I am head, like, here to forwith announcing my retirement from the sport as of today. I just feel like you're the type that just won't submit a score to the open some year. And people are like, hang on, where the fuck is Pat? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what kind of style I am. And I've talked to my wife a little bit about this. Um, and I, I know her thought around it is that I think it's, there's a lot of value in, in putting a stake in the ground and saying, Hey, you know, I, I'm going to step away after this year. Um, I think it's liberating and it gives you a chance to run the bases one more time and maybe really take an extra moment and enjoy it. Um, Mm. And it also is a signal for people that who have supported you over the course of your career that like, Hey, you know, come, come see me because it might be the last time kind of thing. Um, Which I I think is, is nice, right? Like uh, I have a lot of people who've supported me a ton throughout my career. And uh, I think to just vanish, it was a bit of a disservice to them, but I don't know. I think that there's, there's a finality to that. Right. And I definitely don't want to be the guy who goes, yeah, this is my last one. And then the next year you're itching one a little more. bit to go, yeah. uh, just kidding. Like, I don't want to Tom Brady it and start like retiring and unretiring like every other season. And um, I think there's a point when enough is enough. Uh, and I think, you know, we'll see, we, we've talked about, so I, I've definitely pushed the goalposts already several times. Uh, and I think, you know, when I was at school and my wife and I were both in university, the 
plan initially was like, Hey, I first started doing CrossFit in undergrad and I was like, ah, yeah, this is cool. I don't know. This is something I can do clearly while I'm at school. And then I'm going to go get a job and maybe I'll do a little less of it. And then I went into professional school and I did really well at the games that first year. And then I was like, ah, cool. Well, maybe I can still keep doing this. You know, you get some sponsors for a few year contracts and you're like, cool. Well, I don't know. Maybe I play out this contract. I'm going to graduate from professional school. And then, you know, I'm going to go carry on with my career. I'll stop competing. And then, you know, you have another few good years and I, I graduate and I'm like, well, now I have a little more free time. Like maybe why not? Okay. Well, I'll sign another contract and I'll move the goalposts another two, three years forward. And okay. But like at the end of this contract, I'll probably just retire. And then, you know, you have another great year. <laughs> like, so I, I just, I keep, I keep doing that. And I think I, I, I try not to think so far ahead as like, Oh, you know, I'm, I've got a 10 year plan, but it's sports and lots can happen quickly. You know, injuries can take you out. Lots of things can change really, really quickly. So I've never, tried to take it so for granted that I'm like projecting five years in the future. I'm planning small chunks at a time. Hey, if I get to that next, that next waypoint and I decide time to reevaluate and I'm like, you know what, from here, I think I only can do one more or I don't know. I'll, I'll maybe I'll do another two or three. We have that conversation, my wife and I, and we say, all right, cool. Well, here we go. We're off. And uh, we, we plan for the next chunk. Right. But uh, I have already moved the goalpost twice, I think. And, we'll see we'll see where the next ones go after this but uh i don't know i think it would be nice to 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 call it with one year to go and be able to like not have a victory lap where like you you don't care as much but to just for yourself be able to enjoy it and for your supporters to be able to be like hey like this is you know one last time around like you know i don't know and not like you know, no slight to the way other people have done it in their careers, mm-hmm. but you like watch what Noah did at the semifinal this year. Um, and he was just kind of in a different headspace and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't in the top three, but crushed a few workouts and is just like, he's clearly taking some time this year to really enjoy what he's been able to accomplish in his career and, uh, and just put a different version of himself forward, which is really cool. And, you know, if you contrast that to say someone like Matt did when he retired, um, he competed one last year and it was, you know, by happenstance, it happened to be a year where you couldn't actually spectate very well. Um, and then, you know, when it would started getting time to talk about the open again, he just retired and was done and he's been around, like he's very active in the scene now. It's not like he vanished off the face mm-hmm. of the earth, which is great. But I think there's a lot of people who, who maybe would have loved to see him in person compete like one time or something like that and it's i don't know it's strange his was a little weird because happenstance just it was weird circumstances but um i think we've seen it happen a few different ways and i don't know where i fall on that but there is something kind of cool and magical i think about what noah's doing and and when people um are able to sort of um i don't know i feel like it's kind of going out on your own terms right and i think that's a bit of an overused trope but uh it's it's sort of controlling your career and like one last way uh which is cool and then i know he's also left the door open to do some team stuff and things like that so i'm certain we haven't seen the last of them yeah um but even as well there's that thing of like you do want to retire i assume anyway i would you want to retire on a high like on a you don't want to say like all right guys my last year and then stumble a quarterfinals like the fuck (laughs) like you know maybe okay maybe i meant last games run so i still have to do next year because i need a games run yeah, I think it depends. Honestly, I think that 
type of thing used to matter more to me than I think it does now. Um, and I, maybe that's just because I have more going on in my personal life and family and these kinds of things. But I think there's a point where if you just decide, like, I, I don't have the time to give it uh, anymore. And I decide, oh, well, I think I'm going to be done after this year. And, you know, you get hurt or you don't have the the season you want. You had already decided for other reasons. Um, so I, I don't know if it would matter that much, you know, selfishly, of course you want to go out on a good year or something like that, but I will also say it makes it easy to walk away. If you, uh, you don't want to win it. Like you don't yeah, want to go that right? far. Cause then you're like, well, well, I need to defend it. I, oh, and it's just like, I don't know. I mean, if I were to win, if I were to win this year and then, you know, some people say that though, I'll oh, retire on top. Like, I don't know though. Would you, would you want to like, there's a, there's still lots of really fun, cool opportunities in the space. And if you're one of the best around, like, why not? Like, I don't know, like I said, why not keep, keep grinding around the bases and, and taking advantage of some of the cool things that, that this life has to offer, because, you know, I got a lot of years to, to work behind a desk or do other kinds of jobs mm-hmm. and things like that. And I think uh, the chance to do what I'm doing currently on a competition floor uh those are those are finite, right? There's only so many years, uh, so I don't know. I think I've I've more come to the the realization that like like when the sun is shining, make hey man, like you, you gotta you gotta do it while you can, because you know eventually you won't be able to. And if you just kind of left three four years there on the table with while your body was still good and your head was still right, I think that's just kind of a shame. Um, mm. And it's not to say that there's like a certain whatever age limit like some people tap out mentally or physically at different times um or their you know their threshold for what's too much or not or enough is is different so i don't know i i think you want to ideally in a last round you want it to be a strong run but yeah i wouldn't want to be i wouldn't want to finish on the podium and then be like i'm done (laughs) because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it'd feel like well hell like I, i'm still if i'm still up there like why not let's 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 run it back um do you ever talk to like say um i nearly said elder statesman there and that would have been so insulting to everyone but like the guys who have been around the sport longer like say like brent bk yana like do you ever talk to those guys noah about like you know you mentioned there that like oh i want to beat like the young guys or whatever are you guys are you guys those like guys leaning on the fence in the crowd I mean like kids and like you know like do you do you, or do you or like do you ever talk about like oh how long do you think you have left or does that stuff ever come up or is that totally personal to each person that you'd never really discuss it in that kind of scenario yeah we have just a war horse group chat and we talk about it all the time um every every talk, every, talk every our, January or whatever you all send in one more <laughs> like yeah, just keep talk like, about our sore knees all our various injuries yeah. and but no, I mean, yeah, like I even look this year at, at the guys like Cole and uh, and Noah and BK who qualified for their 10th games, right? Mm. Consecutive. Like those things are huge. Like those guys have been around and that's a huge accomplishment, right? And I I think it's awesome. Sport moves forward. Like I said, I there is no doubt <laughs> at all that we will be displaced. Some of the, like people are going to get better and, you know, we're going to eventually get worse. Like that's just how life works. And I have no qualms with that. I get it. I'm not like trying to hang on to my youth forever. But I think that my job as an athlete is to make that process as difficult for the next group of athletes as possible. And that's how I look at it. And I think that's how those guys look at it. Like 
the guys that have been kind of holding it down in Europe for years, like I think we saw it in a big way in Europe this year at semifinals. Like there was a lot of new faces, a lot of new names who were doing quite well. Um, and there were some people really planting the flag, but you know, those guys don't want to let it go. Like you're not going to let it just, you know, have one bad competition or one bad event and then just sort of phone it in. Like those guys have a huge amount of experience. I think the games is a different kind of thing. I think experience does go a long way. Uh, and having a strong competition pedigree is worth something. Um, you know, it's hard to argue with the body of work that some of those guys have, have behind them. Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think we talk about it a bit here and there, and I think it's cool because you don't feel it happening year to year. Right. Um, you know, I, I still, it's crazy to me that I'm like going into whatever my eighth games or something like that. And and now looking around and being like, so I'm 33 this year at the games and I'll be like the, I know we bless Jason Smith. We got him as the, the true elder statesman this year at the games. But other than him, like I'm basically, I think it's him, Will Morad and me are the three oldest guys at the games now. Uh, so it's like, I don't, and I, I don't feel like that, but it happens quicker than you think. You look around and suddenly you know, first you were a rookie, you get to do that once. And then you're kind of like, ah, you feel like you're in this sort of sophomore era for a little bit. And then suddenly I look around and I'm like, oh, I'm like one of the most veteran people in this group. Like, when did that happen? <laughs> and so, you know, the group that you came up with, like our kind of generation of guys that I competed against for the last seven years, um, we all kind of look each other and we just, we know each other well, right? We're all friends. We've competed lots. And um, I think it's sort of this unspoken Thing that we're going to try to fend off the next group as long as possible right yeah uh, so hold the line but it happens right it happens in sports so i think we all are very well aware of that and uh i don't know i i'll welcome it when it comes and i'll be the first guy to to shake their hands and high five them and congratulate them but like i said you're gonna have to they're gonna have to step over my body <laughs> yeah fair play to jason smith as well like you say he's pushing you right down into the average age like by oh, just showing up I, like, you, you you move back towards the middle i saw some stats about average whatever age height weight of the fields this year and i had a laugh about that it was like i think the average men's age was 27 or something which i thought mm. i actually thought was older than i expected but that's but probably is jason that's like uh, driving, so he's, he's pulling like it up by like up. two years on his own <laughs> yeah, yeah so but and i think we, we actually do have a fair amount because that cohort of strong athletes like the noahs the coles bk's brent myself uh yana like a lot of these people that are now like touching 30s early 30s uh you know th those are guys it's the same guys who've been kind of hanging out in the top 10 for the last long time um and we're just getting older yeah. but so that that group now we've just been slowly driving the average age up and up and up every year because those same guys are just around um and they're getting you know some people are, are cycling through but yeah i mean now we've got at least i mean we've got at least 10 guys in the men's field who are 30 years old i think yeah so but even like you know you haven't that, seen like, that in the past the archetypal body type and you know like oh the 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 best crossfit athlete will be this height this weight this age now you guys are fucking it up by like bringing the average up to like wait yeah you should be 27 it's like that doesn't yeah. make any sense yeah that's i know funny. that's what i like though i kind of it's cool it goes to show like these guys who were you know they had something right like that group those were special athletes and i, I think we all pushed each other over the course of a career and uh we're continuing to do so so and we're being pushed by the next group as well but yeah i did have a laugh at those stats because the height and weights are 
certainly not accurate. Well, I mean, if that was the one on Morning Chalk Up, they put the men's weight in kilos anyway. It was like the average women's weight was 96 kilos and the average men's weight was 64 yeah, no, kilos. Yeah, no, but I don't even mean that. Like, I think they had the average men's weight at like 207 pounds. So like, yeah, like 90 whatever kilos and it is not that. And the average height at six feet is absolutely not accurate. Yeah. See, it's so That's hard as well like, because you're going off people's incorrect or non-updated games profiles or like, I know uh, Brian Friend and Mike Halpin were trying to gather like information at check-ins and stuff at semifinals, but like, it's yeah. really hard to, to gather all oh, that. They got to have a pro day or something at check-in where they actually weigh and measure you guys. Yeah, yeah. Because it like, I, that, like, the average height for the guys being six feet, like, give me a break. Absolutely not. Not yeah. a chance. I bet you we have seven guys who are six foot plus, max. Yeah. And then we have probably 15 who are like five, six or smaller or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Five, seven or smaller. It just doesn't add up. Yeah. All the guys just lying about their heights to be six feet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm six foot two. And it's like, no, Colton, yeah. you are not hey, six and, foot two. And like, I remember, man, I played lacrosse for years. And I remember when I played juniors, the program skewed everybody's height up two inches and everybody's weighed up by about five kilos. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Whatever. Right. But uh, it's, yeah, I had a good laugh about that. It's like, good for you, fellas. <laughs> yeah. Um, you um i have you seen the documentary yet for 2022 like the the one that's coming out friday no okay no. um have you? So you yeah i have yeah oh it's cute free screening i can't believe i just dabbed on camera um <laughs> there's a so there's a bit in it that you're uh you're in it um it's your classic like you know Sarky Pat remarked camera <laughs> that like I've become accustomed to in the, in the documentaries didn't disappoint. Um, are you like when you're in that kind of scenario, obviously there's an awful lot of shit going on. And like you've mentioned, you know, you're kind of used to competing and stuff, but like when you're out back and there's a camera there, are you aware that there's a, are you thinking like, Oh, what I say now could potentially make it into a documentary. I better be careful of what I say. Or do you give a fuck? Uh, I try not to swear. So that's probably the only thing I try to find colorful ways to express my feelings. Um, I don't know. Not usually I'm like, I try to, most of the time I'm trying to kind of make some jokes and provide levity mostly because mm -hmm. it makes me feel less stressed, but I think it's just the games can be a lot of things and it can be frustrating and it can be exciting and you can feel great or bad or everything in between. And, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I like to, like I said before, I, I like to be able to label things, say things out loud and it gets it out of my head and then I can move on. I think one of the things that uh, I've done well over the course of my career is move on from bad finishes or frankly, good finishes and just continue to truck along the path um, to, to continue through the weekend. And I think that that's sometimes a big part of it, whether it's like, you know, and we know a lot of the media people. So I think sometimes you're not really talking to the camera. You're talking to the person. Yeah. And they, and that's the more years you're there, the more those are friends of yours. And you just kind of spout something off and you're just like, ah, whatever. And you kind of make a joke to your buddy and then it ends up on a screen somewhere. But uh, I do the same with my coach and things like that. And we just kind of, I don't know. I try to yeah. give, I give the other athletes a hard time. I, I try, I don't know. I, I lay it out there. I don't, uh, I don't think I'm intentionally trying to, make awesome sound bites for the documentary but i'm glad that i've managed to do so over the course of the, the last few years yeah but 
I'm like I don't I don't want to worry you by making talking you think about. you I don't want to worry you by making you think like you said something terrible you didn't but like okay it was you. a it was a classic like Pat of like oh Pat you know like it was those classic like sound bites what um, event was it after it was after Justin passed Ricky on the lunge um it's in the trailer actually one of the so you, you say like three lines and one of the lines is in the trailer um so the line that's in the trailer is where you say it's oh, pretty good conversion. I only have three lines, and one of them is in the trailer. Yeah, <laughs> nice. um, I'm trying to think. Maybe we are in it outside of that segment. I can't really remember. But I bet that's... you, if I had to guess, I bet you they give me a little soundbite about the parallel bar, uh, the the parallel bars, and then there's probably one or two just like the hell just happened kind of things. You say so. There's a you say. Um, you say something like, "Oh, I was just, I was just hoping someone would pass Ricky, or I was just hoping someone would beat Ricky, or something like that, something yeah, to that okay. effect." Um, about Justin passing him, it was when he wobbled on a lunge and Justin passed him on the field. Yeah, and then in the film, then it's longer. And uh, if you don't want spoilers, you can just stop listening now. But um, it was funny because you said, "I said it." I, I'm sure. I... Not you. I mean, people watching. Oh, I got, yeah. I give two shits about you. You, yeah, you said it. Um, but yeah, you say, you know, I was just happy that someone beat Ricky, uh, that passed Ricky. And now, out of context, that's like, oh, like that's spicy. But it's like because he was currently leading the field, like Joe, obviously, and he was like, he was like lapping the field for yeah, the first yeah. half of that competition too. I feel like yeah, it was starting to and, get like, um, all right, but they got to start putting a few bodies in front of that guy. <laughs> I don't care who it is, but some people got to uh, got to start doing more. And I was actually struggling a little bit in the middle of the competition there. So I was like, I remember having a conversation with Justin in the back and being like, you got to give me a hand here. And I was like, buddy, you're looking at the wrong guy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm fighting my own demons right now. Like I'm trying to figure out what the hell to do to write, write the ship. Like go tap somebody else on the shoulder. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out my own stuff. But, uh, and it was basically the same thing like that. Like just people, um, yeah, no, had a great, great first half of the competition. And I think everybody was looking for just some bodies to get in front of them. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but it, out of context, it's like, oh, fuck, like that's both spicy. Like, you know, like this is always big, like, you know, um, you could cut the tension with a knife when that one line is taken out of context and nobody understands when it was said or why it was said or whatever. Then in the film, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, that makes sense that he said that. And then, then if sure that was, wasn't on know, purpose, and then but then afterwards, like directly after, oh, it absolutely was. But directly after you said that, then you said, "Oh, it was uh, you recapped like the moment or something to the camera?" I assume it was Nico or someone that was on the camera, and you said like, "Oh yeah, um, Ricky wobbled or or you know like stopped, and Justin just lunged right past him." Um, and you said something like, you know, oh, it's pretty impressive or something like that. And then you were like, and the, uh, the, the crowd went crazy when he passed Ricky. And then you were like, which was pretty funny. And then it just moves to the next scene. And I was like, oh, God, Pat. It's just like, it was a classic, like, Pat, like, Sarky finish to a, to a point of moving on <laughs> to the next thing. Like, um, I just, re I really enjoyed it. Um, the games end. So you said you were struggling a bit uh, in, in that middle segment or whatever when you reflect on 2022 are you like yeah that was good that went well or are you like oh fuck like i you know left a lot of kind of stones unturned or whatever like do you go after you finish in madison do you like you know go right back to the drawing board and be like right we need to sort out this that and the other or are you like no we're we just keep going the way we're going we need to tweak these few small little things but we're there thereabouts and then the proof is in the pudding in semi-finals kind of thing 
Uh, I mean, I think you have to reflect on where the mistakes got made. I definitely had a bad game last year. I had too many bad performances mm. um, relative to the field um, and some on things that I should have been just much better at. Um, you know, I dealt with a little bit of heat issues in the mid part, like that capital event messed me up. And then that lunge event was the one right following that. And I was yeah. in a bad, and that's a workout that I probably could have won on a, on a normal day, but I was like trying to, to hold it together like i was trying to like not throw up not shit my pants like i was like <laughs> in bad shape so i was just like that was like just do it don't even think about anybody else if you just kind of finish it you can probably park one in the top 10 and then we can start to like steer the ship back to straight um so that that mid-range that those couple workouts i forget what we did that evening but i i had a a really tough time on those ones. I, I, I struggled a little bit on the bike in the very beginning. And then the shuttle to overhead also was like a terrible one. So I had at least like four or five finishes that were nowhere near what they needed to be. So hmm. overall it was bad. I think you have to look at that and be like, Hey, you know, what, what happened there? What can we work on to try to make those things better? Um, but I, you know, you have to take time. Um, I think it's silly to try to get right back on it. The, tr the trick with competition is that your motivation is never higher than right after a competition. Like emotions are high. You've just been shown in no uncertain terms what you need to work on relative to your peers, which mm. is who you need to be. So it's, it's laid out right in front of you and you can go, Oh, you know, I got my ass kicked at this and this, and I beat everybody handily at this and this, like, you, you got the blueprint. And so it's really tempting to just turn around, go right to the gym and start hammering on certain things. But that's where you kind of need the discipline to take a break. Cause mentally, physically, you just can't, you just can't do that um, and attack it with any serious rigor. Um, you need to take some time, reset, let your, let your nervous system settle down and then build those things back up slowly. Um, I think the temptation is that, yeah, you, you come off of that, you've got this aggressive motivation and you start really hammering things super hard and you just can't keep a fire lit burning that hot all the time uh, or you just start to burn out uh, and your body just starts to fail you. So you got to, you have to do it. And that's where a good coaching team and stuff like that helps because sometimes you just have to be told no. Um, and I think my, I've always kind of looked at it in the way my relationship is with Michelle, uh, you know, I will do everything that is on the page every time with no exceptions. I will never skip anything. I will never take a longer break. I will do all of the things, but I will only do what's on the page. I will not do any extra. I will leave as soon as that's done. And if it's, and if so, if she has a plan of okay, I trust her that she's building in those breaks and those uh, resets post-competition, the tapers, all that stuff. She has a good grasp on that. And we do that very well. Um, and I think that it's one of the things that's allowed me to continue to perform at a high level over the course of my athletic career. Um, and so I, I, you know, we've built a ton of trust over the course of time and we have those conversations after a competition and then I, I will, I'll, I'll be back to training when she says back to training until she says that I, I won't, I won't do mm -hmm. anything. Uh, and then it's like, all right, after a week, like start doing some light jogging like this and that it's like, great. I'll, I'll start doing, I'll do all the things every time, but I'm not, about, I'm not about to do a bunch extra. That's for sure. I do it now. <laughs> um, you're, so you're her and Deca's only 
like uh, individual elite athlete at the games this year. Does that bring any kind of like? Do you ever think about stuff like that? Are you ever like, fuck, I'm like, obviously you want to do well for yourself, etc. But like, are you ever like, oh shit, like it would matter a lot for Decca if I do well, or for Michelle if I do well, and I'm the only opportunity she has this year to do well in this kind of arena. Like, do you, does that stuff ever prey on you at all? No, I don't think I ever really think of that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, I think that you feel external pressures a little bit. Um, but I also don't think that they're ever as significant as hmm. they, you imagine they are. I think that the real pressure is internal. If you're any kind of competitor, you may, tell yourself it's external pressure. Everybody's looking at me. I need to do this. I don't want to let everybody down. Nobody cares. Like people are happy for you when you succeed. The people who are close to you, it matters to them in, in that regard. But mm. no one's like, if you're, if you make a mistake or you whatever, they feel bad for you. Cause they know that it means a lot to you, but nobody's like, Oh, you know that you don't let people down in that respect. Um, yeah. So I Michelle, think that Michelle's very... not like that. Just cost me five potential member signups when they no, saw that. Yeah, like I think that <laughs> pressure is completely imagined. Um, yeah, and we do a good job of imagining it. Uh, it doesn't mean <laughs> that it's less real for us because we stress ourselves out over that shit all the time. But I think that coming to terms with that makes a big difference. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I I try to do. I try to do as well as I can. Again, selfishly, like for me, like this 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 matters for me a lot. And I think that I, I consider us a team. So it's, it's hard to me. It's hard to separate the two of us. When you look at, at the athletic performance, like I, I'm the hand that goes out on the floor and does the, the job. I go to the gym and I do the things, but she's kind of the think tank behind all of that stuff and the planning and things like that. So um, I think you have to kind of consider us both in combination. So I'm happy afterwards when you think about it and you're like, Oh, I'm glad I was successful, like selfishly yeah. again, but also like, then you're like, Oh yeah. And this is great for that. And those are all things that come with it. Right. Um, so none of that stuff happens in a vacuum and, and the same, like my success doesn't, isn't manufactured in a vacuum. It's not just me. It's the help I get from other people. And then likewise, when there's a return on that investment, I'm glad that it doesn't happen in a vacuum and it's not just me that benefits from those things. It's all the people who were there for you to support you and do the things for you as well. So um, I don't know. I don't really, th I wouldn't say I actively think of it and probably, you know, much to the annoyance of some people who are there to support me and, and help me out. I think I have heard from, uh, you know, people in my family or various people in my circle that when I, when I'm competing, they're like, it's, it's, it's almost annoying how disconnected I can get from, everyone else and everything because they're like yeah like i'll watch some uh, someone else who finishes and they like spot their family in the crowd and they wave <laughs> and they're like you are just you're like so far from that that it's not even funny like i've never seen you once look or do a thing or like blink and it's just and i don't know i think maybe to a certain degree that's one of the things that helps me be successful i kind of quickly move on to the next task uh and i'm very focused on what i need to do but you know, I can appreciate how that annoys the people who are there to support you and do those yeah. things. So they're like frantically uh, waving yeah. and you're just standing still. Yeah. Like just yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, and I would love to say that I'm trying to be better at it, but I just, I don't think it registers for me sometimes until the, until everything's done until it's yeah. like the last event is over and things are complete and I, I'm done my job. And now I can kind of like 
drop that wall and mm. uh, pay more attention to those things. But um, so you've kind of alluded to the stresses that uh, you're under for like, you know, you're either on your way to the gym or on your way home from the gym or, you know, you're working, um, I think he said three days a week or whatever. And then family uh, as well. You've got Owen at home. He needs to be looked after. Your dog is looks like quite a lump to be minding as well. Um, and then you also do the PFA stuff, um, like you and Brent kind of front that. That makes it sound like it's a mafia thing, but you know what I mean? You're like in, in, uh, you're heading it up. That's better. Um, is there like, I kind of asked Brent this the other week as well, and I was kind of curious from you, like, is there, is your hope that like, whenever in 2033, when you retire, um, that you'll you'll just like seamlessly move into that role and continue it on in like an actual professional capacity or is the hope that like within the next 6, 12, 18 months you'll be able to say like ah oh, now I'm done with that I can support it but this guy or this girl is in charge of it and it's off my plate and I don't need to worry about it I got it to where it needs to be and now someone else is taking it over and it's done like is there a plan for that kind of thing like for succession or any of that it's starting to take more of that shape now I think I I Right now, when we're competing, I think it's difficult and we mm. would be more than happy to have someone take the reins of that kind of thing and, and read someone in to be able to do it. But it's just not feasible yet uh, to completely re release it and, and hope that it's going to move forward. So, you know, early stages of these kind of things are defined by a lot of volunteer work and a lot of volunteer time and energy and that kind of thing. So you know, this time of year, particularly, it's difficult for us to engage maybe with our full attention. And that's why we hope to have a little bit more help. And we've got some good people helping us now, which is great. But, um, you know, in the future, when I, if I'm done competing, I'd be interested in taking on a more active role, maybe. But the hope is that we can have this run without us. And I think yeah. the, the best future vision of it is that the the most front facing people that are helping to organize and run it are not competing athletes hmm. um, because there is some level of conflict there. And we don't want that. Like you want it, we want to create some separation between um, you know, the athletes competing and the CrossFit games teams or the people that we're trying to create relationships with and have negotiations with or things like that. Um, Cause it does, then otherwise there's no conflict of interest and in like, Oh, I'm, I'm trying to really, lobby hard for this type of change to a certain movement and it's going to benefit this cohort of athletes like yeah, we don't yeah. want it to be a lobbying group like that's not the point um you know we want things to be fair we want things to be safe we want things like that we don't want athletes to have to decide between being successful in a competition or taking some unreasonable risk um and so you know i think the best way to do that is to have people who are not actively competing to be the ones in those roles so um yeah i mean in the future if i'm not competing surely that's something i could do i still like you know i don't think i'm gonna stop liking crossfit or being engaged with this community or this group and uh you know I, i'm fortunate that i think with brands like we we are in a position where we're we're, we're kind of leaders in the athlete group we're members that have been around for, for a long time and have had some success and so people take us seriously which is cool uh and it provides some level of validity to the things that we say but we're trying to get information from everywhere and i think that it's just uh the hope is that in many years if when if and when we retire we can 
this will continue to exist with or without us. And there will be other athletes or other people who are actively involved in roles. And we can look at it many years down the road and see it, you know, bear more fruit, right? Like we're trying to lay groundwork uh, with the understanding that like, you know, we're, we're putting in a lot of our own personal time and energy to try to help build something that we will likely not see the benefit from over the course of our career. Um, the real benefits from it will likely come, you know, farther down the line. Uh, so it would be cool to be able to look back and be like, hey, we had a hand in starting that. Um, mm. And or you could like sort of lasting effect in the sport. It's a classic kind of try to leave things better than you found it sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. If you could get it to a point where it was earning, you could embezzle money out of it. And then at least like you're getting something, you know, some kind of return on your time. Now you're talking. <laughs> yeah. now you're thinking, um, yeah. So obviously one of your main points of contact um was justin berg up until very recently like he would have been you know kind of i guess the goal between between you and crossfit on a lot of things a lot of like competition kind of things and you know standards and clarification and stuff he would have been the kind of person that you would have been communicating with a lot or his you know dogs bodies or whatever um and now obviously he's gone and dave castro's back um does that does that change anything? Does that change how you approach things? Does it change like the type of things that you, the type of concerns that you raise? Does it change your attitude towards like, oh, fuck, this just got harder or, oh, this just got easier? Does it change anything about the actual day-to-day of it? So to us, the point is that it shouldn't, hmm. right? Like regardless of who's in a role and what the history may be with certain people, it shouldn't change what an ideal competition looks like what a good conditions for athletes are that shouldn't change anything. Um, so I think the areas of concern remain the same. Um, the ways we communicate them are the same. You know, Justin was on meetings occasionally. He wasn't always on there though. Um, you know, we did have some communications with just the, the games team on the whole. So usually it was, uh, we, the whole team was kind of copied in on everything and we'd have been frequent meetings to bring up certain things. And, um, we were kind of a sounding board for certain issues. So I think that's just going to continue to be the same. We're going to try to loop in the whole games team. I think they had expressed in the past that they didn't want to feel like people were being bypassed by trying to contact only, only specific members of the team. So we, we copy the whole team in on everything. Um, And then when there's calls, everyone's invited and and it's kind of classic when there's uh, video calls or things like you can't, you can't really expect everybody to be able to make every call. So sometimes we get a bigger group of the games team, sometimes less, um, you know, depending on time of year, it feels like sometimes it's more planning and sometimes it's more execution or debrief. Um, but we've been trying to help them even just accumulate more information by surveying athletes and getting more of a feel of what uh, athletes are thinking and, and what's going on behind the scenes um, from our perspective. So Don Falls actually been pretty great. He's had a pretty open door policy with us, which is terrific. And he's kind of uh, now it's just sort of the same thing. We, we email for various things and, and set up calls. And usually it's like Don and the whole group. And since Dave's come in, we haven't really set up a full call with the whole team yet, but I think we are doing so next week. Um, so it's just, we haven't had the initial call yet. Uh, but on the horizon and I, from my perspective, it shouldn't change anything. Um, it's an, it's an interesting time. Cause I think we have some things that we're going to try to raise uh, as little things that can maybe be easy wins for the games 
this year, but you know, we're four weeks away. There's not uh, a ton of time to take on anything huge and we're well aware of that. And I think they're aware of it. So we're going to try to make uh, what we feel are pretty reasonable recommendations based on things we saw or information we got post semifinals. Um, and, you know, there's small procedural things that we think can maybe be really easily changed. And there's some larger scope things that, you know, they're going to take a little longer and it's probably more conversations for after the games. So I think having Dave back is, we'll see. Um, I actually like to think of it a little bit. I think him and Boz working together will probably be a pretty good thing. I think with what we saw kind of last year, there were a few small details and events that felt like they were a bit of a ball drop in terms of um, execution where like certain lanes were transitioning farther than other lanes. And there were things like that, that we kind of flagged as, you know, this is a bit of a fairness concern. Uh, but doing some homework on it, when Dave was programming, there was there's very few uh, instances of that that ever existed and basically only existed in mass start events that were very long. Mm-hmm. So I think that he's got a good eye for certain things uh, and he's kind of more of an engineer where Dave is a little more of an artist. And so I think that combined vision can be very beneficial if they work well together. So, you know, I think we're just going to we're going to try to say like, hey, these are the kinds of things that have been have caused issues in the past at the games. These are the types of errors that have been repeated across many years. These are the type of issues that have led to major controversy. So even for the next four weeks over the course of testing and, and, you know, setting up demo teams and things like that, um, is there ways to keep a a more sharp eye on these types of categories of things just to make sure those things don't happen? Cause it's just, it's not good for anybody. (laughs) Like then they've got to deal with a bunch of backlash or they got to have a press conference or we got to have a deal with a hundred appeals in one workout and nobody wants that. So it's uh, you know, the more we can solve these problems upstream, the better. And that's kind of just the main goal uh, always has been. And I think that's going to be the goal for leading into the games and then leading into the next season um did you guys have did, did the pfa have a call after have you guys had a call like i said the athletes since dave came back the sorry who the like athletes. as in you and the athletes was there like a you know do you guys have regular meetings like you guys and say the we have not that many of so the pfa is basically right now got a small executive committee of i think nine of us which is basically there's people with basically general representation of all the uh, geographic regions. Mm. So I think there's like two of us from North America, two from Europe, one from Asia, one from Africa, one from Australia, that kind of thing. Um, Representing broadly the there's age group representation, team representation and uh, open division representation from all the groups. The only thing we don't have is, is teenagers, but mm. I feel like most teenagers don't want to be sitting on an admin call for, or you'd need like uh, a parent with them. Or yeah. Something. So we have s- someone who's in the master side of it. So I think yeah. the concerns of those are roughly similar. Um, but anyway, uh, that's the only where place that we're um, lacking, but we try not to loop in the general assembly as much as we can. We have a large group of emails and things for, a large body of athletes. It's not complete. Like it wouldn't encompass every semifinal athlete from this year. Um, and partly that's just because that body of athletes is always changing. So we're, yeah. we're kind of playing catch up all the time. So we have been trying to touch base with all those people by surveying everyone after major events like Wadapalooza, after the semifinals, sending out a mass survey blast for people to be like, hey, what went well? What went poorly? What are things that you maybe noticed from this? So that we can share that information with CrossFit as well. But um yeah, we. I mean, 
I feel like people get buried in in calls, like meetings mm. and calls. And our experience so far has been like, we try to send less emails unless they're important or there's information to be gathered, like the surveys and things, because people just ignore them. Or, or you get sometimes in a large call, if there's 200 people, nobody says anything because every, everybody kind of is, it's sort of like a bit of a group think and like a mob mentality thing. There's like this bystander effect where yeah. everyone kind of just listens, kind of, you think they're listening, you hope they're listening. But Pat, I got to stop you right there. I'm a teacher. This is literally every fucking day of my <laughs> so life. It's like yeah. you ask a question, you're like, any, any, anyone can take that. Like anyone yeah, answer. That was a real question. Anyone. That was a real <laughs> yeah, question. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so <laughs> we, we have been, you know, we've noticed that in the past. And so this year, what we actually tried to do is we set some in-person meetings at most of the semifinals um, so that everybody was invited. It was around check-in and things so people could come in and we'd have a little, a little briefing and a discussion about what we're trying to do, what the goals are with the PFA. And if people have questions to ask us, if people have ideas, whatever, mostly just to read people in on what they're doing and be able to do it in person. Cause I think mm. you just benefit a little more from that. One person asks a question and all of a sudden everybody feels a little more emboldened and empowered yeah. to ask questions. And that's super valuable. And that's kind of what we want. It's super easy in those video calls for it just to be like, all of a sudden it's a lecture. Brent's talking for a bit. I talk for a bit and then it's quiet and then, okay, bye. And you don't even know if anybody heard or, or listened to anything. So we had set up some at semifinals in person. We have plans to have uh, an in-person meeting after the games is finished, basically the Monday afterwards, where again, when people's like people are riled up, emotions are fresh and people are more likely to engage and contribute a little bit on things like that. And it just, it's helpful for us to, to actually drum up that engagement in person. Um, and so we're, we're playing more with little ways to do that, but contacting the whole mass of athletes regularly is, is difficult and it seems kind of fruitless in what yeah. we've seen so far. You don't so, want to be that like fly around either. That's, you know, like pissing yeah. everyone off. Like what we've done uh, poorly in the past and we're trying to improve on is, um, we have the Instagram page and, it was that pretty post actually, for a long yeah, time. Was it yesterday, the day before? That was really good. The rookie one. That was yeah, good. for that the rookies. Good. So we have a bunch of informational stuff that we've been creating over the course of a couple of years. And, you know, it's hard to know where and when to kick it out. Mm -hmm. And we've kind of started creating more of a plan. And this is because we've had a little more help with some people as well that help keep us on this stuff. Uh, it's hard enough for me to manage my own Instagram page, <clears throat> let alone have to manage another one. So um, you know, we're going to start to see more posts with actual regular frequency from that yeah. group, um, which is what you need. It just like, keeps putting it in front of people, you know, once a week, something like that over the course of a year with information that we think is valuable, helps people. We have some cool stuff coming up um, about what athletes should do for even like tax purposes, things like that. Um, just things that athletes should be aware of as they get more and more involved in the space. And um, so it's always been more of an informational outlet and we're trying to just make sure that people have what they need to be successful in there. Uh, mm. it's, it's more about equipping people with those skills and tools. So that I think is a, ba a, a better tool for us than setting up regular calls with yeah. a large, large body of athletes. It's like this, I can blast out. We make a post, I share it on my story. A lot of other athletes start sharing it it propagates a little more it gets in front of more people they click it and see it you look at it and you say oh advice for rookies at the games and you read through it and it's like oh that's pretty nice pretty useful stuff and mm. and then it just yeah it kind of gets us more in front of people and if, if those calls are really just 
informational anyways and a lot of people just taking things in and nodding their heads uh that serves the same purpose but has a little more of a visual aid and it's less inconvenient <laughs> so um one of the things like when dave was around initially um one of the things that there was kind of like a few people were saying like oh there's a fear of being excommunicated or there's a fear of like you can't speak out or you can't say anything or you'll be you know like somehow somehow targeted or not included or something if if you don't uh like kind of toe the line or if you're too if you stick your head up too high basically you'll be whack-a-mold back down or whatever um and obviously it's all kind of anecdotal and you know like it's kind of hard to say if like oh yeah that's a fair assessment of what's happening or like oh maybe that's you know your perceived experience of it or whatever um when he was appointed to his new role so like director of <laughs> whatever gm of sport or whatever gm of the sport like were you fe- were you guys feeling those kind of things like those kind of concerns from athletes or were people just kind of like oh fuck it just see what happens like was there any kind of like nervousness in that sort of way um, I don't think we were at the PFAA dealing with a lot of, of, you know, personal reach out from people, but I think that that sentiment's around and I don't mm. think it's, I don't think it comes from nowhere. Um, so, and I think that part of the concern too, is a little bit of the, uh, that it's just been a bit of a revolving door with that team. Uh, and you know, one person, everybody just kind of changes roles and it's the same people all the time doing the same thing. So, you know, we keep hoping and, ex- and expecting for th- there to be some change in the way things are done, but it's really hard to do that if it's always the same people and it's really easy to slip into familiar patterns. So I think, you know, for some of us looking at that, it was a bit of, I don't know, it felt like there was this opportunity to inject new blood into this team and maybe have a fresh perspective that can really contribute to driving a new culture and things like that. Uh, That was a bit of a missed opportunity, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, we were, there was some ball dropping and we were hoping for some change to avoid that. And and this has changed. So I think you have to give it a chance to, mm-hmm. to see how everybody fits in these new roles and if things are going to work out well. And I don't know, I feel like my, <laughs> my approach to a lot of that stuff is the same as I approach a lot of things and it's with high hopes and low expectations. So <laughs> I think we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Uh, and again, like we're, we're trying to play a more active role to help um, just help avoid some of those things that, that we don't want to see and, and, guide the discussion around the things that we that we think interest the athletes um and so we'll see i mean i i think that they'll the team will hopefully do a great job this year and you know if things go well we won't have much to talk about come august september um and honestly that would make me happier than anything <laughs> so <laughs> i don't want to be spending a ton of time doing it i'm very hopeful for success but you know, I think that people have their reservations given their experience with, uh, you know, with Dave and other members of the team over the course of a long time. Um, so I think for whatever, uh, for ver- any number of reasons, for different people, trust has been violated at some time, um, and trust can take a lifetime to build and just a, a moment to destroy. Right. So um, I think that that more than anything is the uphill battle that CrossFit and the Games team are fighting right now is you know after even just this year like some of the things that happened now you know the weights were loaded wrong at the open announcement and you know there's been a lot of small ball drops over the course of the year and over the course of the last bunch of years and you can throw a rock and hit different mistakes and partly the advent of more of this youtube social media 
errors are being exposed at a greater rate than ever before and talked about a lot more. So I think it's, in some ways it feels like there are more than there have ever been, yeah. but I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I think that they're just becoming more public, hmm. but you know, I think that the trust has been eroded a little bit with some of these recent mistakes. And so now they have, they have to take uh, some time to rebuild that and it won't happen instantaneously. I think it's going to be with, you know, you know, you put in new people in new roles, you bring Dave back and you, and you say, you better nail the games and then we can notch that one as a win and we can move on to the next one. And then we have to start building up some wins. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so really like and our, our job with the PFA is we want to help, we want to help them notch wins in terms of like how the competition flows and things like that. I, I have, I have nothing to say about the affiliate side, all that kind of stuff. No idea. Like, you know, I exist in the competitive athlete sphere. That's where my knowledge is. That's where my experience is. So when it comes to contributing on things like that, eh, I have some thoughts. I'll, and if you listen, I'm happy to share. But beyond that, uh, you know, I, the, the, the team there is doing a lot of other things and they're looking at a lot of other areas where they can start to stack up some wins. And I think that that's, you know, I had some conversations with Don Fall around uh, the semifinals and, and that's kind of what he had communicated to us as well as he's like, you know, we're going to, we have to start banking wins and, and, and doing a few things and just building momentum back in the right direction. Cause there's been a little bit of backslide in the last while and, and they're aware that trust is low. So um, I will say to the credit of that team and to Don and the people that are, are, coming on that games team right now communication has been high and they've had a very open door policy. So uh, with us and it seems uh, other members of the CrossFit sphere, whether it's sponsors or like agents or people um, they've been, he's been very willing to listen and, and try to assimilate some of that information. And I think that they're, you know, they're, they're trying to, to make things better for this year. And I think that the games will be a really good uh, opportunity for them to just show it. Right. Hmm um well listen unconscious you you have to go at the, the top of the hour so um thank you for coming back on it's been great to catch up with you um it's actually it's like april last year that we last spoke i was like oh it was probably like maybe november and then i checked and i was like oh fuck it was actually a long time ago oh, wow. um well, so yeah go. that that's it's great to catch up uh best of luck um with the rest of your run-up uh to the games and madison and everything else and um with your dadding and husband in and dad dog dadding as well yeah thanks so much i've been on a holiday lately my my wife's working up north uh and her mom's up there and they've got the baby so i'm just oh wow the dog i had two weeks to set home me and the dog and they're back on in two days here three days so uh, it's that's always it's a bizarre holiday. it's a bizarre scenario where like i find sometimes if i find sometimes if i'm without the kids that time goes immeasurably faster <laughs> than when I'm with the kids. It's like rest periods in a workout where you're like, hang on, there's no way those two, that one minute and the other one minute were the same. <laughs> it's like, that just doesn't. It's been interesting. I will say, you know, I, my wife, my wife left me a nice uh, honeydew list, but uh, <laughs> I, the first couple days, I sort of like tidied the main areas where I'm going to kind of be living. Like I'm in the kitchen, living room upstairs. I've just been like, I did a little surface tidy. <clears throat> and then living with just by yourself, it's pretty easy to keep things tidy just because I'm like, I'm using like one bowl, one fork, <laughs> one spoon, like it's no big Eating deal. Out right? of the saucepan, like who cares? So yeah, you start to really appreciate how easy it is to just take care of yourself. Yeah. But uh, we, then, you know, after two days, I'm like, okay, I tidy everything up. I spent two days doing like nothing. Like finish my training, finish work, 
immediately lay on the couch and just like watch TV for way too long or something. Yeah. And then after about another two days of that, I, I was all tapped out of doing nothing. So I've been slowly, I'm picking like two, three things a day, uh, chipping away at the list, just taking care of some running some errands, taking care of some things that need doing, you know, I'm starting to do some weeding in the yard. I'm like, I'm doing all kinds of stuff. So I've been actually more productive than I, I maybe initially thought I would be. I was initially, my thoughts were I would just completely be a vegetable and yeah. do nothing. It probably, so. it probably says a lot about both of our approaches to life. The fact that if I was left to list, I would have done your middle two days there of doing nothing. I would have done that for one week and six days. And then that the night before they came back, I'd be like, fuck, I have that whole list. I haven't done it. And I'd panic. Oh, no. And see, you got to do it a little but... before because the night before I got to do another clean. Oh, so yeah, of course. Everything's, yeah, yeah. everything's nice. You have to clean your saucepan and your bowl. <laughs> yeah, you know, just wipe the counters, get everything put away. I'm going to, I've, the dog's been kind of running in and outside pretty regularly. So he's, we've got lots of grass that's kind of, you know, trailing yeah. into the house. So I got to do more of a tidy right before they show up, just so if things are, they got a nice, a nice shine on them when they walk in. Yeah. Um, yeah if I have, if I have too many more chores to do before that, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, well, listen, thank you. All the best. Um, and we'll talk to you again. All right, cheers. Good to see you.